I'm Craig Todd, and this is Craig and Company, a podcast about life, ministry, and leadership designed for everyday Christ followers who are seeking to be obedient in the everyday stuff of life as they make Jesus known. I'm excited for the journey ahead, so friends, pull up a chair, brew a cup of coffee, and let's get to talking about life, ministry, and leadership right here on Craig and Company. Well, welcome to this week's episode of Craig and Company. I'm your host, Craig Todd. I'm really thankful you've joined me today. And I'm joined by Tim Parker, the pastor of Stewartstown Baptist Church in Stewartstown, Pennsylvania. He's been doing ministry for 15 years, and five of those have been at Stewartstown Baptist Church as their pastor. He is currently pursuing his doctorate of ministry degree from the Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary, and that focus and that degree program for him is church revitalization. So he's joining us today to talk about some do's and don'ts of church revitalization, what it is and how to know if you're in the middle of it and a lot of other things as well. So I'm excited about that. And if you could, at the end of this episode, leave us a rating and a review. It'll help others find the podcast and I'll certainly appreciate you helping us out as well. But without further ado, here's that conversation with Tim Parker on church revitalization. Well, Tim, thanks for joining today. How are you? I'm good, Craig. Thanks for having me. Good deal. What's the weather like up there in Stewartstown, Pennsylvania today? Oh, it's a beautiful sunny day. It's uh, supposed to be getting up in the 60s, upper 60s today. I think last night it was down in the 40s, and and uh, it's going to be a beautiful day today. Well, that's that's good, and uh, we, we, we are having weather like that right now down here in the south, but it won't stay long, so uh, that's okay, but... Uh, you and I are both from the South, and so we are not built for the winter. Uh, it turns 50 degrees, and we pull out the heavy jackets, and uh, and and then we're ready, you know. Well, it, it's not terribly unusual to pull out a hoodie up here in July. The summers up here are absolutely gorgeous. Um, maybe once or twice in the month of July, you will get to wear a hoodie, but the winters up here are not made for Southern guys. No, they are not. I was up there in April, and I just about froze to death. and. <laughs> It was, it was spring. You know, that was the weird thing. It's spring, and, and I'm over here bundled up. And uh, I'd actually joined y'all for an associational minister's gathering one day. Yes. And uh, and, and I know you remember that because uh, we've only done it one time uh, with me there. And uh, and it just started snowing uh, yes. heavy. And then not, not one of those snowflakes stuck to the ground. Uh, and I was disappointed in that because I thought I was going to get to build a snowman. Uh, and I yes. Well, maybe next time you have to come, uh, come try, try uh, January or February, maybe even early March. You might get to do just that. Well, let's uh, let's start by talking about you. So, so can you tell us about Tim, uh, you know, who you are, your salvation, your calling, your ministry and, and all of that jazz? Yeah, sure. Uh, well, I'm uh Married to my lovely wife, Vanessa, for 33 years. We've got four kids, uh, 30, uh, 32, 30, 20, and 14. And uh, we got seven beautiful grandkids. So we're living life large. Uh, I came to faith uh, in uh, when I was 16 years old, um, 1983. And, uh, you know, all of my adult life, I've spent in some form of public service. I was a uh, I worked uh, for an ambulance service for a period of time, and um, I, uh, I was a volunteer firefighter for a period of time. Still am today. I've uh, re- rejoined the fire department today, and 
Um, and, uh, and I've also done law enforcement work and, and uh, I spent 32 years in the military, most of it as in, in law enforcement. Uh, so I've always been in some type of uh, public service. And so there was a time in my life in the mid 90s when I thought I wanted to be a doctor. And so I was taking some college classes on uh, you know, trying to get the prerequisites together to go into medical school. And the more I thought about it, at that point in time, we, our oldest two were, were still very young. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that uh, going to uh, medical school, internship, residency, and all that stuff was going to take a very heavy toll on my family. So I started thinking about maybe uh, the next best thing, physician's assistant or something along that line. And so I, I just, as I was able to take some college classes, I was working towards uh, having the prerequisites together to be able to to go to uh, physician's assistant school. And, and, and uh, lo and behold, I found myself on my first tour in Iraq in uh, 2004. And uh, uh, the, the work there was such that I didn't work every single day. Uh, and so uh, I had the opportunity to do a lot of bi personal Bible study time, personal, um, uh, just personal devotion type work. Um, I was in a Bible study, uh, several Bible studies that happened uh, on the, on the uh, campus there in Baghdad. And, uh, and I also was in, every time there was a worship service, I was there. And it was in October of 2004 when I had this 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 overwhelming uh, presence, just uh, I, you know, it, you know, we talk about sometimes about hearing God's voice. Well, this wasn't an audible thing, but it was just such a heavy impression on me. It was like I want you to take care of spiritual bodies, not physical bodies. I'm thinking like, well, wait a minute, God, you got the wrong guy. I, I knew where it was coming from. I said, oh, God, you got the wrong guy. And uh, but it didn't go away. And so I, I, I finally, October of 2004, I said, OK, God, whatever you say, whatever you want, I'll do it. And so uh, my mom passed away at the end of November. And uh, so I, I came home a little early, told my wife and uh, she thought I was nuts. Um, but uh, but here we are. That was 2004. Since then, I've gone on to uh, get my bachelor's degree in religion uh, my master's of divinity degree. Uh, I've got a, a THM and, uh, and now working on my, my D men. And so it's been, um, it's been a very interesting ride, but, uh, I tell you, I was telling my church on Sunday that had I, uh, had I disobeyed and went on to the medical field, I would have not ever got to, uh, experience the kind of joy, uh, even the heartache, uh, but the the I would not have experienced God's work uh, in my life and through me if I had uh, if I disobeyed Him. So you are in the uh, D-Men program at Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, tell us about that. I, you know, you're actually joining us today to talk about church revitalization, uh, and and your D-Men has an emphasis in church revitalization. So tell us how you got into the D-Men program and, and, uh, and why D-Men? You know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's a great question. I, uh, my, my wife has always said I'm a professional student. Uh, I've been going to some kind of school or class my whole life. Um, I'm a firm believer in lifelong learning that uh, we can never stop learning. Um, and, 
you know, the, I have, God has given me a, uh, a burden, um, a, a burden, a desire, a, um, uh, a heart, I guess, for hurting churches. And, and I think maybe that comes from, you know, my, my medical background, maybe my desire to, to, to be a doctor that I've, I've just got this really bur this heavy burden uh, for hurting churches. And, and it, it just hurts my heart uh, to see a church die. And, uh, and so I, I got to thinking about, um, you know, life after ministry in the pulpit, what might that look like? And uh, one of the one of the things I thought of was maybe God can use me um, after I get to a point where I'm, I'm no longer in in pulpit ministry, the you know, in the pulpit all, uh, all the time. Maybe he can use me in some kind of consulting work or some kind of uh, interim work or transitional work to uh, to help uh, revitalize churches. And so that kind of drew me to. Uh, church revitalization, but the, the 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 doctoral work really is one of those practical degrees. The DMIN program is a really a practical degree to to call, help uh, leaders uh, learn and research and understand uh, the how to uh, really dig deep into the local church and how to develop. Um, strategies and ways to uh to grow its the the people to grow churches and uh and so because it was such a practical degree i thought that the d men would have would benefit me in a way that maybe the phd would not so we're talking about church revitalization today and and i think a good place to begin is by simply answering the question what is church revitalization we use it all the time, but uh, you know sometimes it's one of those things we use it and and uh, we keep using the word, but that word does not mean what we think it means. And and so, what is church revitalization? Well, uh, you know, as, it depends on who you ask, I guess, as you well know. But I, I think, in short, we could say that church revitalization is a is a process uh, of of moving a stagnant or plateaued church or a dying church. Uh, back to spiritual health, um, and the the driving force to that is that it is health. Uh, it is a healthy church as God has defined it in His Word, and not just what we uh, we think or, or we would define as a healthy church. So we want healthy churches, and that means that we also need healthy leaders, correct? As well. So how are how do those two things go hand in hand? Um, yeah, I know I just made the statement, healthy churches need healthy leaders. And yeah, they go hand in hand, but but the nuts and bolts of that, how do they go hand in hand? Well, the reality is that um, church revitalization, just like church planting, takes a lot of energy. Um, and, a, and uh, you know, a pastor who is, who is tired or depressed or beat up, um, you know, it's going to be very difficult to expend energy that he's he doesn't have. And so you know, pastors who are uh, specifically called to church revitalization uh, have to be very healthy. Uh, their family has to be healthy because uh, the work is very hard and uh, uh, it's going to take a lot of a lot of emotional energy, a lot of physical energy 
to uh, to do the the work that is going to be required to to turn a church around, and uh, and a and a pastor has to be physically and emotionally and spiritually healthy uh, in order to to do that work. Um, it, otherwise, it's he he's just going to continue to get beat up. So why is church revitalization important? And and really, and I don't know any other way to ask the question, so I'm just going to ask it in, in kind of its rough form. Uh, why church revitalization over a church plant? Now, I'll, I'll say this for those listening, you know, I, I am a cheerleader for the local church, and, and I do not believe in, in throwing the towel in on the local church. But I have been part of conversations in which people say, well, let's just plant a new church. Let's let, you know, First Baptist Church Podop die out, and we'll plant a new church, and we'll start over. So why revitalize over the planting option? Great question. And I think it's not an either-or answer. Um, I think both are extremely important and extremely valuable. Um, I'm I, like I've said, I'm drawn to more of the revitalization work um, because of what God has placed on my heart for hurting churches. Um, uh, but that doesn't mean that church planting is also not uh, is not important. It is vitally important. It is it is the way God we see God working in the especially in the Book of Acts as as the church expands and grows. You know, it, we're God is planting churches. Uh, throughout uh, Jerusalem, Judea, uh, Samaria, and the other parts of the world. And so church planting is absolutely important. Wherever there's people, there needs to be God's presence. And God has determined that he, in his sovereignty, he would use the local church uh, to be his hands and feet and mouthpiece to to the nations, to everyone. And so uh, God has placed churches uh Churches in in various locations. You've got them, you know. In the south, we had them on every corner, uh, and and up here, not so much. Uh, it's a little more spread out. But God places. I, I'm a firm believer that God places a church in a in an area where He intends to use that group of of His uh, ambassadors to reach the community, to reach the people in that community. And so, when a church dies. Uh, there's there's a bit, uh, as Mark Clifton would say, there's a bit of the the glory of God that is being lost in in that area, and uh, uh, and and so I, I think that in the, in revitalization, there, an aspect to it of maintaining, as as Mark Clifton writes, uh, reclaiming the, God's glory uh, is is a part of that revitalization work. It's a it's a work to reclaim God's glory in that particular place uh, so that God can continue to do his work uh, in those areas. So how do you know, you know, we've got pastors listening to this, this season's all about pastoral ministry. How do you know if you're in the middle of a revitalization effort? You know, it's kind of important to know uh, the beast you're dealing with so you can deal with the beast properly. So, so what are some indicators that, that it's a revitalization effort you're in? So uh, every church has a life cycle. Now we know Jesus himself said that uh, he was going to build his church 
and the gates of hell would not prevail against it. <clears throat> so the, the church of Jesus Christ will never die. But the local expression of, of the, the local church, the local expression of, of Jesus on earth, they die all the time. It's so sad uh, that, that it happens. But churches die all the time by the hundreds each year. And so pastors, uh, you know, the, I, I don't remember exactly who to, uh, to attribute the saying to, but uh, I heard someone say uh, churches choose to die. And, uh, and I believe that's true. Uh, sometimes it is because uh, the pastor is not aware uh, of what's going on, or maybe he's resistant. Uh, you know, God forbid we could be territorial as pastors, but, uh, but sometimes we, we have a tendency to want to hold on to what we have uh, instead of giving it up to someone else. And so, um, so sometimes I think churches die because pastors uh, are... are uh, resistant to to give up what they have to someone who may come in and 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 do the revitalization revitalization effort, and then I think sometimes too I think churches uh, the the people the the pastor may know very well that you know if he doesn't do something to change if the church doesn't do something to change then then it's going to die, and uh, and and I think sometimes and uh, you know there there's churches uh, that I've seen that uh, the youngest person was uh, in their 60s and, uh, and they just had no, no interest in, in bringing in some younger people. They said they wanted to, but the reality is you know, whenever, whenever younger people would come, they would, get, uh, they would face resistance and so they would eventually, the younger people would just leave. And, and so that natural attrition will take its course and uh, churches will die. So let's let's uh, let's do a hypothetical, right? Okay. Um, now, I'm, hypotheticals are dangerous. I understand that, but we're <laughs> going to do it anyway. Okay. You've got Billy Bob. He just took a pastorate. Mm -hmm. He goes in and he knows. I mean, the committee told him this is a revitalization effort. Uh, okay. We don't get this right. We're we're dead. Right. So. Going into that revitalization effort, and and I, I'm almost of the school that many churches, and and because we're both Southern Baptist, I will speak in in the realm of Southern Baptist life. I believe that many churches in Southern Baptist life could probably fit the bill of a church in need of revitalization. Yes, and, and I think that every church at some point, given the life cycle of churches, reaches a point, every church reach, reaches a point that they need they need that fresh breath of revival. Uh, not, not you know, okay guys, you know, we, we've got revival Sunday night to Wednesday night. Praise be to God. I, I'm, I'm talking about real, genuine, Holy Spirit inspired and, and led revival. So, Billy Bob's just started, or whatever his name was, I already forget. What are some things he should do when he starts that effort? Billy Bob needs to make sure that he's the right guy for it. And so Billy Bob needs to make sure that, uh, that 
he needs to say, okay, am, am I called? That's a question he needs to ask. Am I called to this work? You know, do I have the, uh, am I suited for this work? Do I have the, the emotional, physical, spiritual healthiness to, uh, to take on this work? Um, uh, am I committed to this work for the long haul? Because church revitalization is a long-term effort. Uh, it doesn't happen overnight. Change that doesn't happen overnight. And so, you know, it, it, he's got to know that he's willing to do whatever it takes for as long as it takes to be able to do this work. Also, what about his family? Is his family prepared for that long-term effort? Are they prepared to expend the kind of energy that it is going to take uh, to, to do that work? revitalization in a lot of ways is very similar to uh, church planting. Uh, and, and families are caught up in all of that. And, and so uh, just like my wife is an extension of my ministry. Uh, she's not a pastor, but as the pastor's wife, she, she uh, is an extension of my ministry. She can minister to the people in a way that, uh, you know, I can't, he, she can minister to women that in ways that I can't. And so uh, she serves as an, an extension of my ministry. And so, you know, is Billy Bob's wife and family prepared uh, to, to, uh, to do that kind of work? And ultimately he can't do it alone. Uh, Billy Bob's not going to be able to do this work all, all by him, all, all by his lonesome. It, it will, it, it's, it's too hard. Um, and so he's going to make, he's going to need to make sure that there are, are some, some, whether it be other local pastors, maybe it be an association, maybe it's the, the state, but he's going to need to have someone that, that will come alongside him and, uh, and, and be like the, uh, Aaron and her that holds Moses's arms up, uh, so that he can continue the fight and, and the, the church can continue to move. So what, what should Billy Bob not do? Uh, you know, it's easy to say what we should do. Now, what are some things, brother, don't, don't do that. You will. <laughs> well, before we get to what not to do, let me, let me encourage Billy Bob a little bit more. Everything begins with prayer. Uh, Billy Bob has to learn to develop a strong prayer life. Um, he's, he's got to pray, 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 pray. Uh, number two, Billy Bob has to do a deep dive into the church. He needs to know what what uh, what giving has been like for the past however long, you know, at least a year, if not five years, maybe ten years. He needs to know what attendance has been like. He needs to know um, the you know, he, he needs to know the whether the people are um, willing to to go along with this work. Um, uh, obviously, if the committee says, hey, look, we need to revitalize, then then hopefully they're ready to go along with that. But but he's got to do a deep dive into his church and then also into the community. He needs to know who's in the community. He needs to know uh, the demographic. He needs to do a demographic study of that community. Who's there? How much do they make? What are their problems? What are their spiritual views? Uh, what are their ages? Uh, all that kind of stuff. He's got to do the deep dive. Uh, and again, like I said, this is a lot like church planning, um, it, but you know, it, it's, it's necessary. And 
Billy Bob also has to have a firm understanding of what the church is. Not his church, what God's church is. Um, he needs to understand from Scripture uh, what God has has said his church is supposed to to be like and what they're supposed to do and and even how they're supposed to do it uh, what the church's mission is because if he doesn't know if he doesn't know what a healthy church looks like then how's he going to know if he's building a healthy church and so that's that's vitally important to know uh, what a healthy church looks like and uh, uh so he needs, he really needs to know what his target is, what he's aiming at. A healthy church, what is a healthy disciple? Um, what does a healthy disciple look like? And so if you're, you know, it, it, God says, uh, go and make disciples of all nations. Well, what does that look, what does a healthy disciple look like? So that's, that's important. He needs to, he needs to read, 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 read. He needs to get all of the information that he possibly can from a, a ton of resources, and I've got a few at the end that, that I can share with you, uh, but there are a lot of resources out there. There are a lot of ideas out there that, that uh, uh, and principles that you can glean from. The problem is a lot of us want to, um, we want to try to replicate what somebody else has done, and, and oftentimes those things don't work in our local context, and so we have to tailor those things to, to our local uh, context, but but we need to, we really need to get to know our community. And that means Billy Bob has to be in the community. He needs to get out of his, his study and he needs to get into the community. I mentioned earlier, you know, I, I've, I've joined, I recently joined the fire department uh, because, you know, I, I had a background in, in, in firefighting many, many, like 30 plus years ago. Um, it, this was an opportunity for me to connect with a group of people that otherwise I may not be able to connect with. Uh, I've got a 14-year-old son, so I became a scout leader, um, and and so I do. Uh, I'm, I'm, I volunteer with the Boy Scouts. Um, I, I I try to engage people um, in our community. Uh, you know, I I go to the, uh, the 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 local city town hall meetings and and the 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 uh up here it's uh townships and so we i go to the township meetings and and uh you know i, I just try to interact with people in the community because uh, if we if billy bob doesn't do that work uh you know being in the community and encouraging his people to get into his community he's not gonna he, he's not going to uh to know who's there He's not going to know what problems they have and how to reach them. And one of the things we're, we're seeing up here is, uh, and I hope that it's beginning to change. Uh, but when we, when, you know, we say, I say to somebody, look, Hey, I'm from, I'm the pastor at Stewartstown Baptist church. The question is, you know, where's that? And it's like, well, how long have you lived in this community? Well, I've been here for 20 years. Well, what do you mean? You don't know where it's at. And so there are people in our community who don't, don't even know where this church is is located uh and and this church has been here for 30 years 35 years um and so that's a that's a real problem that that we're we're working to overcome um he needs to make he needs to know that he's got to love his people and love the community um he, he's he's got to do that he's got to do the work of an evangelist 
and there are probably many more other, you know, many other things that that he needs to do. But that's just a that's just a, a you know a, a snapshot. But um, what not to do? I have on my board and above my desk uh, a little phrase that I use. It's, it says, "Remember the aircraft carrier, but build the battleship." And and what it mean, what I mean by that is, you know, a, a, an aircraft carrier like uh, the established church is a is a beast that is big and it's it turns very slowly. Change happens very slowly. Um, sometimes, much uh, to our chagrin, it, it's it, it's so slow. It you know you're wondering if it's even moving. Um, it, it's not going to be like a jet ski that turns on a dime. You know, church plants are, are such that they can turn on it you know, really quickly uh, because they don't they haven't established a lot of the um, a, a lot of the bulk that the established church has has taken on. And, uh, and but I also have there, and that reminds me that, that change is slow, turn slow. Uh, we don't want anybody to fall off. Uh, inevitably, they will, but we're going to lose people. We have lost people. We, we, we're going to continue to lose people. Um, but I say build the battleship too, because we want a church that is ready for battle. We want a church that is uh, uh, ready for the, 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 the spiritual conflict that we're going to face every single day as we go out into our community. And, uh, and so we want to remember, remember the aircraft carrier turn slow, but build a battleship that is ready to, to, uh, to do the work. That is, uh, that is, uh, what God had called us to do. You know, I, I want to reiterate a few things that I, I believe in to be important. And, and I believe that some, some leaders in the local church forget, number one, uh, not everybody in your community has heard of the gospel, nor does everybody in your community know where the church is at. Mm -hmm. um, I, I recall uh, at my previous church, I, I had somebody who, 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 who had the audacity to, to actually argue those points. Um, you know, I, they, they, they were a lay leader, if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't really remember who it was now, but they said, well, you know, everybody has heard the gospel in, in this county. Well, it just so happened that I was uh, an hour south uh, one day headed to, uh, to the seminary, and I was in Covington, Louisiana, which is a, a beautiful city. I, I love it. I still get my hair cut uh, from there. Now that I live an hour and a half away, I still go there to get my hair cut. And uh, uh, I was running late for class that morning, and I stopped in the gas station to get a cup of coffee and, and to use the restroom before I traveled on the causeway into New Orleans, and uh, the Holy Spirit prompted me to share the gospel with this uh, with this young man who, who just looked sad and, and depressed and down and out, and, and so I went and shared it with him, and, and I asked him, I said, have you ever heard uh, of the person of Jesus? And, and he looked at me, and mind you, we're in the Bible Belt, mm -hmm. and he says, nope, never heard of him. I think my aunt goes to church, but that was, that was the extent of it. Yeah. And and here we are in the Bible Belt, and, and a few weeks later, I actually began a, I think it was an eight-week evangelism training in Sunday school, and, and so in order to rebuff that belief that, well, everybody's heard of the gospel, well, I met a 17-year-old young man in Covington, Louisiana, an hour south of us, that had never heard the name of Jesus until I shared it with him, 
you know, he didn't make a decision that day. Uh, he, he didn't, you, you know, seem to, uh, seem to respond to the gospel message, but the seed was planted uh, so that everyone may hear is, is what we're about. And, you know, how can they hear? And, well, yeah, how, how can they hear unless they're sent, unless a preacher is sent? Uh, mm-hmm. and, and they can't believe unless they hear. So uh, just to reiterate that, because I, I do know that there are some pastors who, who have fallen into the trap that, well, everybody has heard, everybody knows. No, not everybody has heard, and no, not everybody knows where you're at. You have to be intentional in that outreach. Um, and, and also, uh, to another point that you made uh, about you can't do it alone in a revitalization effort, uh, even the Lone Ranger, as as someone once said, had Ponto. Uh, so even the Lone Ranger was not alone. Uh, and, and so may we find people to come alongside of us. And, and I just wanted to reiterate that. So for Tim and at Stewartstown Baptist Church, and, and I've been up there, uh, your associate is, is one of my best friends, and I just love him. I'm still just a little annoyed with Stewartstown that y'all brought him up to Pennsylvania, but I love y'all nonetheless. Uh Y'all, y'all, y'all are in the midst of a revitalization effort at, at Stewartstown. Uh, and, and so uh, you have been going about that through the families. And so as the old adage goes, if, if the church ain't crying, it's dying. Uh, and, and so from what, I, from what I saw when I was there, uh, there seems to be a strong family ministry going on. Uh, and the young families that you have at Stewartstown seem to be really on board with reaching uh, their their age, uh, their age group, and those in a similar similar life stage. So, how how specifically have have you been going about this? And and I'll say it just to reiterate for you as well. We're not saying to go replicate this uh, <laughs> in someone else's local church. We're just talking about what what Tim and, and your staff is doing at Stewartstown. So so how have y'all been going about that? Uh, well, so uh, I've been here for five years. And uh, my first year here was really uh, trying to get to know the people. Um, you know, the church, the church wasn't in terrible shape uh, by no means. Um, um, but it was, you know, we had noticed that uh, we'd be that we'd become pretty inward focused. Um, a lot of the ministries, uh, I, I, I use the analogy of a of a uh, an octopus. Um, and, and so the, the ministry arms, uh, of this octopus was going about their own business, doing what, doing whatever they thought. And, and the, the, the central, you know, the, the leadership part of it, um, seemed to be, uh, going along with that. And so we wanted to get everything aligned. So all the ministries were aligned, working in the same direction. Uh, uh, working towards the, the mission of God, and and you know the whole that whole build it and they will come. That's that's no longer that doesn't work. You know that that's not going to work. Uh, people are uh, they'll drive by this church. We're on a pretty uh, busy highway out here, and they'll drive by our church and and never give it a second notice. And so um, you know, build it and they will come. Uh, turn on the lights and open the doors, and they're going to come. No, that's that's not going to happen. Occasionally, if someone is going through a very serious life crisis and they're just looking for some help and some hope, they may darken the door. Otherwise, we we have to go out to them. And so a lot of it began to, to use that kind of language. 
you know, others focused. Uh, we were very intentional and are very intentional about uh, talking about others and talking about our community and talking about our, our neighbors. And, and, uh, and so it's, uh, it, we, we use intentional language. Uh, we were looking at, uh, you know, we started looking at uh, uh, the ministries. Uh, we had a ministry that was uh, about 15 miles away where uh, some of our men would go and, and serve the homeless uh, once a month. And, uh, and, you know, while that's a good ministry, uh, I, you know, I eventually just said, Hey, look, let's, let's, and, and I, God blessed me in, in, in being able to do so. But I said, look, let's, let's not do that. And let's focus on doing something closer, something in our community. Um, and so we were, we were able to do some of that. And, uh, uh, a lot of it though is, is encouraging and equipping our people to have gospel conversations. I've done, as you were talking about doing an evangelism class, I did the same thing. Um, and, and I just taught people uh, that, you know, that, that you can turn a, a normal conversation into a gospel conversation if you're, if you're being intentional about it. And you're thinking and listening for the door to open so that you can step in and, and share Jesus. And it, it may be the, it may be a gospel. It may be a come to Jesus, you know, be saved kind of conversation, or it might just be a, you know, I hear your pain. Let me tell you how Jesus can speak to that pain. Um, and so, you know, that's encouraging people to, to, to get outside. And then we started uh, uh, trying to look for opportunities to create that space uh, we've held a, um, a free sale uh, in our church parking lot. We've uh, we've had a, we just recently gave away a television, uh, and and in order to uh, we bought this television. We had this uh, fall festival uh, a couple of weeks ago, and 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 you know there was no money exchange or anything like that. This wasn't a raffle or anything. It was a giveaway, and the it, the way you registered. For the giveaway for the television was you listen to somebody share their testimony for three minutes. So it would cost people three minutes of their time to, to be able to register for this TV. And so we had uh, we had at least 46 gospel conversations. Um, and and I, there were many other conversations that took place, but we had at least 46 in one day. And that was great. Um, and we had some of our own folks who said, you know, this is the first time I've shared the gospel. Yeah, and then and I can, when I can remember and. Uh, um, some of them maybe for the first time. And so, you know, we, we, we are being very intentional about connecting with the people in our community. That's the, that's what we've seen to be the biggest thing, but I, you know, it, I think is what is bigger, uh, is about two years ago, I started, uh, you know, Tom Rainer. Had, Dr. Tom Rainer has a program called uh, Pray and Go. And I took that idea uh, of, of Pray and Go and I just adapted it to our context. And so once a quarter, uh, I would ask uh, our, so our people to come together on a Saturday morning, about nine o'clock, and we would pray together. And then I would send them out in pairs in our community. And I would sometimes I would just pick a a five mile radius around our church. And I say, okay, let's, you go to this quadrant, you go to this quadrant. And, you know, we would just split it up. And uh, sometimes I pick specific neighborhoods. Uh, sometimes I pick specific schools in our community. Uh, and I say, okay, go and pray. 
Go and pray for these. And what we have seen in the past two years since we started that, we have seen families uh, who have come to this church um, from those communities uh, that we were praying for. We've been praying for them and and they and and God has brought them. Um, and so, you know, that that I think that's probably been the biggest thing is we've we we've really tried to focus on uh, the basics prayer, unashamed preaching of the gospel, and and being intentional in our community. And and I, you know that's we've seen some we've seen some some movement of God in that way. And and uh yes, one of the biggest things I found when we got here was there was a gap. When our when our students would graduate from high school and they go off to college or the military or the job force or whatever, uh many of them wouldn't come back. And, uh, and, and so there, we had a gap between about 20 years old and about 40 years old. And, and the, uh, because of that gap, uh, we knew that as our church grew older, if we didn't close that gap, then eventually, um, we're going to, we're not going to have leadership. We would die, uh, if we didn't close that gap. And so that's what, uh, that's where our focus has been, not to the exclusion of our children or our students or our seniors but but we've started to focus on uh, bringing those groups together, our seniors and our and our younger people, and and to minister to younger families and and trying to close that gap and and be intentional about reaching those younger families. Um, and and another thing too is is giving young people. If you're fortunate enough, pastor, to have some younger people in your church, but it's primarily aged. Uh, you're, 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 you've got a senior church, but you've got a few of those younger people, give them some leadership opportunities. Let them lead some of your committees. Let them have uh, uh, some leadership role in their church. Let them take some ownership of the church because ultimately it's going to belong to them anyway. I mean, it belongs to Jesus, but ultimately they're going to, they're the future leaders of your church and, and they need to be leading now and not, uh, and not later on. So give them those, give them those opportunities. Yeah, we can't expect people to lead if, if we haven't equipped them and trained them to lead. And uh, and, and I think that's great. You know, I, I I believe you ought to always be reading a book about leadership. And if you're not able to read a book on leadership, you need at least need to be reading an article on leadership or, or at least uh, listening to a podcast on it. Uh, but you need to be thinking about leadership. Uh, and then you need to be thinking about how you can apply that. We're going to flip these last two questions because I want to end on, on an encouraging note. So uh, let's uh, let's talk about resources first. Uh, what are some uh, potential resources uh, that pastors can check out if they're in the midst of a, of a revitalization effort uh, or if they know somebody who is in the midst of it? Yeah. So one of the biggest tools that, that a pastor can use is a demographic study. Um, there are different places you can get that, maybe from the state uh, or their association, or if they, you know, if they're not a Southern Baptist church and they don't have those kind of things, um, you know, you can you're welcome to give them me give them my contact information. I'll point them in the right direction to 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 get a demographic study of their community, and uh, that's going to help them understand who is there, who is in their community, what does their community look like, and does my church reflect my community. Uh, so that's that's a really important resource for for pastors who are who are uh, anticipating doing the work of of um, uh, revitalization. 
Dr. Chuck Lawless uh, has a, a number. I mean, he has, he's a great wealth of information, but he has two books that have really impacted me. One is called Discipled Warriors, Discipled Warriors. And in that book, Dr. Lawless looks at the book of Ephesians and, and, and he goes through the book of Ephesians to, 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 uh, to show us uh, what a healthy church looks like. What is the church supposed to be uh, and do uh, according to what God's word says about the, the local church? And so that's been, a, that's been a great resource, very insightful. He uses a, uh, some, some graphs and some graphics, and, and it's really, uh, it, that's a really a great tool. He also does one that's called Membership Matters. Membership Matters. And in that, he has a he has a, a, a an illustration of a a disciple. He calls him Disciple Dave, and, and Disciple Dave is Doctor Lawless's uh, idea of what a healthy disciple looks like, um, and and so that's been very helpful and very insightful as well. A lot of work out there from Doctor Tom Rayner. Uh, he's got a lot of stuff out there. Anatomy of a Deceased Church, or or Autopsy of a Deceased Church, rather, and then Anatomy of a Revived Church. Uh, he does. A, he, they do a, a a lot of work in that area. Um, Nine Marks Ministry, Doctor Mark Dever, and Nine Marks Ministry, and that book uh, that that they developed a, a number of years ago. Nine Marks of a Healthy Church. That that's been a a great tool uh, as well. Brian Croft uh, and his Biblical Church Revitalization is great. Andrew Davis has a book called Revitalize. Really good stuff. I mentioned Mark Clifton earlier. And then, then uh, Peter Greer and Chris Horst, H-O-R-S-T, uh, have a book called Mission Drift. And I think what happens is be when churches uh, become plateaued and start that decline into death, um, a lot of, uh, maybe some of the reason why that happens is because they've forgotten their mission. Uh, they've, for, they've drifted away from what God, has, the mission that God has given them. And so uh, that's been a, a really good book. And then Daniel Kim has, Kim has one that's called No Silver Bullet. There is no silver bullet for church revitalization. And, uh, um, and so, you know, there's, there's a lot of, ton, there's a ton of great resources out there. So if they wanted to get in touch with you, they can go to Stewartstown Baptist. What stewbaptist.org, S-T-E-W, baptist.org. And, and um, in touch with you there because your email and, and all of that is, is there. So all in touch with you there. Absolutely. So before we go, we've, we've been talking to pastors this season, uh, and I have asked, I believe, everybody who has been on the podcast this season, uh, something to this effect. If you were, if you were able to say anything, uh, give any encouragement to a room full of pastors, uh, what would you say? Pastors, if you're looking at revitalization or uh, maybe adoption or um, fostering, and I'll I'll speak more to that in just a second. But if you're thinking about that, make sure that you're ready for it. It's um, you know, take care of yourself. Take care of yourself spiritually. Take care of yourself emotionally. Take care of yourself physically, because uh, it's going to take all of that for you to do the work. Don't give up. Don't quit. 
and don't try to do it by yourself. There's a lot of help out there. You just need to be able to you know, be willing to ask for it and, and bring some people along with you. Um, if there are people in your church that is that are sold out for, for your uh, revitalization work, take them with you. If, if you don't have everybody, don't worry about it. Take what you have. Take who you have. Uh, you will do more with 10 sold out on fire Christians than you will with 100 uh, uh, of those that just want to sit on the sidelines. Um, Pastor, you're going to have to pray, 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 and faithfully and unashamedly preach the truth uh, to your people. Lead them. If you look behind you and nobody's following you, just out for a walk. And so lead them, lead them well, love them well. And uh, you're going to have to get out of your study. As hard as that may sound, I, I get it. Uh, but you're going to need to get out of your out of your comfort zone, out of your study, and into your, into your community. Celebrate small victories. Don't shoot for the moon and and uh, uh, and and risk falling short. Hit some of those uh, those immediate low level. Uh, Dr. Rayner would call it low hanging fruit. Uh, reach out and get some of that low hanging fruit um, as you advance the gospel in your community, and you can do that by by encouraging your people just to, uh, to to have conversations, invite people to come to church. People will, people, most people will come if you invite them. Uh, and, and don't just invite them and say, hey, I'll meet you there. Be willing to pick them up. Be willing to meet them in the parking lot. Be willing to meet them at, at uh, McDonald's and in the parking lot and drive them, you know, come to, together. Uh, and so people, people will come. Um, and, uh, and so just don't give up. And I'm going to, I'll leave you with this. I like to use the analogy when it comes to church revitalization as, as kind of like a, a patient who has just been diagnosed with cancer. If to, to pastor, you need to, or I, I hope that you will take a deep look, a deep, honest dive into your church, into your situation. Um, because you you have to diagnose what what the root of the problem is, um, so that you can then begin to develop a, a way of treating it. Uh, if we if you know in our churches, if we catch uh, the disease early enough, then the 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 things that we're going to have to do to to turn it around is going to be less painful and less invasive. Uh, than if we wait until we're on death's bed uh, and and the cancer has spread all over us. And now it's going to take something extremely drastic, extremely painful uh, to uh, uh, to turn things around. So for those of you who might be who might feel like, OK, I'm at death's door. I don't know what to do. I don't know how to do this. Listen, don't give up. Don't 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 quit. Look for someone in your uh, in your denomination that's close by, a, a healthier church uh, that will be willing to maybe help foster you. This, you know, God was a God of of adoption. He's a God of adoption, and so I think this is a um, um, Art Rayner maybe has come up with this this imagery of adoption. But, you know, a fostering church, somebody that will come alongside you and help you 
through the process, who will help you and, and be a, a foster parent, maybe. Um, or maybe you're in that church. Maybe you're in that healthier church. And there's a, another church down the street that needs help that you can come alongside them and foster them and help them uh, to in to this revitalization effort. And maybe ultimately it may be it may it may take you allowing your church to be adopted by another church. And so you, you take on a different identity uh, and, and you become you basically become a new church as you're adopted into the family of another church or or maybe that's you. Maybe there's a church out there that you need to foster, maybe maybe leading to adoption. And so just be honest with yourself, pastor, be honest with yourself, but don't give up. Don't quit. Don't just throw your hands up and say, look, I'm out of the ministry because this is too hard. There's a lot of help out there. Just be willing to, uh, to be willing to uh, uh, accept the truth uh, of where you are, where your church is, and uh, and accept the the help that can come along with it. Well, Tim, thank you for joining us today. It, it's been a blast and, and fun to talk about church revitalization. It's uh, it is a task, uh, to say the least, to to be involved in a revitalization effort, but. Uh, but God does not call us to the easiest, but he does call us to the best. Uh, and Amen. So, uh, that, is, that is our encouragement. So if they want to continue the conversation, they can get in touch with you at StuBaptist at StuBaptist.org. Uh, and uh, I'm appreciate, uh, appreciative of you, Tim, for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me. And I look forward to you getting back up here to Pennsylvania. Come up here when it's uh, in the wintertime and maybe you'll get to build that snowman. That and maybe I'll make y'all a pot of gumbo as well. That would be great. Well, that wraps up this week's episode of Craig and Company, and I'm so thankful you have joined me today as I got to talk with Tim about church revitalization. If you liked what you heard today, and I certainly hope that you did, will you leave us a review and a rating on however you get your podcast and share this with your friends. Encourage them to come and join us for the journey. Uh, it's going to be a blast. I've had a blast already. I hope you have too, and I'm excited about the journey ahead. Uh, I'm going to meet you here again next Wednesday, November 3rd, for the next edition of Craig and & Company. And between now and then, you can connect with me online at craigtodd.com, on Instagram at Craig and & Co., and on Facebook at Craig & Company. You can also, through the website craigtodd.com, make your way uh, to the uh, merch store, and you can get you one of the Craig & Company's coffee mugs. It holds 10 ounces of your favorite coffee, and after you buy the coffee mug, you can check out Gatewood Brothers Coffee Company. They're on a mission to buy fair, fair trade coffee so that farmers are compensated fairly for their products. And in the long term, they hope to build relationships with those farmers so that they can get the gospel in those communities. All those links are in the show notes. And friend, we will see you here again next week on however you get your podcast for Craig & Company on Wednesday, November 3rd. I'm Craig Todd, and this is Craig & Company. 